Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity. Good size rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Company. You can find it at www.squatchcoffee.com. We're also on Facebook. Uh, if you just look up Sasquatch Coffee, we've got a bunch of new flavors and varieties, uh, including um, one for the Olympic Project or Olympic Peninsula, and uh, as well as Bluff Creek, Boggy Creek, and uh, a bunch more. We have a rank Pendek, and get in there, and an uh, Abominable Snowman, which is a French vanilla. So check them out. Lots of, uh, and we we added a new sampler pack for just twenty bucks. You get seven of of our uh, our original seven varieties. So check us out. With me today, as always, is my good friend and fellow Bigfoot researcher Shane Corson. Mister Corson, how are you this Sunday? Doing well, Gunner. Doing well. Enjoying the. Uh... Beautiful, uh, beautiful weekend weather we're having. The uh, unseasonably warm weather we're having up here in uh, Oregon. Yeah, we had a little bit of. Of course, uh, the kids were out for spring break this week, so it poured down rain a good portion of the week. Um, but today, last, um, yesterday and today were were pretty decent. So, um, I know you and Larry went out. Um, to our area on Friday night and uh, got rained on. It's always a challenge oh, yeah. when you go yeah. out and you're trying to record audio because you just get a lot of uh, raindrops. So how yeah. was it out there? You know, it started out fairly dry. Uh, we knew there was a storm moving in, but it was, you know, 
we didn't have an opportunity to get out, so we took that opportunity knowing that it was probably, we were probably going to get rained on, and we did. Uh, it rained pretty good at times. Uh, and, you know, it does make for um, horrible uh, recording, and, you know, if you're out there trying to find stuff, it, it can be a little bit miserable uh, as far as, you know, hiking around and stuff. I mean, I enjoy hiking in the rain, but if you're looking for any trace evidence or trying to, you know, what we're trying to do out there is do the, the audio triangulation, you know. And so, we're, we, you know, every so often we're, we're replacing our quarters, putting them in different areas and stuff. So, um, you know, it, we we did manage to, to continue on with our, our, uh, our project, but unfortunately the rain did put a little bit of a damper on the whole uh, trip, but never... Uh, yeah, it's a little... Yeah, it was never a... Yeah, but still, um, you got to be out there all. Those, you know, I think it's important to be on those type of weather conditions and that time of year. And uh, whether it's rain or shine, um, you have a presence in these areas, and uh, so you get a feel of of those areas in any type of weather and, and environment. So it, it was uh, well worth the trip, and I do it again, and we'll do it again. And we, and we, <laughs> you know, if you live in Oregon, you're going to be out yeah. in the rain sometime. So, but, uh, um, and we've had stuff happen in the rain. The the one, you know, night that it, uh, Noah's Ark night, we call it, because it rained so flipping hard out there, and I uh, crashed my Jeep, and, and that was the night that that uh, you you were sleeping in your truck, I think, too, and heard, heard mm-hmm. we heard stuff, and, and uh, something actually bumped my Jeep really hard about 3 o'clock in the morning, woke me right yeah. up. So, not I you know, yeah. don't know that it was a big flip, but there was wind knocks and some other stuff that went went on that night too. So, yeah, you know, the, I mean, uh, Friday it rained it rained pretty good. So I mean, it was it was hard to hear anything. And many times we've been out there, uh, some of the best knocks and um, vocals I've heard out in that area has been when there's a, a rain, not necessarily a, a absolute downpouring, but there's, you know, like you said, we're in Oregon. It's raining, uh, but uh, during those uh, those down spells, those spells where it's just pouring out rain, I, I, I always wonder. I'm like, do do Sasquatches hunker down? Uh, do they or do they are they on the move? You know, and uh, hope to one day answer that question. But uh, I, I often wonder that. You know, you got to look at other. I look at you know other animals in nature. You know. Um, they most out here in Oregon, they don't really hunker down just because of a downpour. <laughs> you know, deer and elk, right. they're, they're all around. So uh, you would you would assume that, like uh, you know, they're prepared for the rain and their you know their body can handle it and it's, it doesn't do any doesn't really have a whole huge effect on them. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, no, uh, but the. It, it does affect us and how, you know, we're able to, like you say, we can't hear stuff. And and uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit today about, you know, the science, how, how we can apply scientific research to to the field of Bigfooting. Um, I was rereading a, a, a handout that Tom Powell gave us at uh, when he spoke at Hopsquatch last year, and it's called The Edges of, Edges of Science. And uh, he was talking about the oxymoron, you know, you say paranormal science because uh, paranormal actually means 
not able to be studied by science or outside the boundaries of science. And so, um, and and there's a lot of fields that are now um, fall under the umbrella of accepted science that that used to not be um, that used to be considered quote unquote paranormal thing. You know, things like uh, psychology and sociology were not. Um, widely accepted um, at one time, so they were actually they they didn't know actually. And astronomy was another field that at one point was considered paranormal because it couldn't you know they at the time they didn't know that they'd um, ever have the ability to to measure um, what went on in outside of our our own uh, planet. So that they just figured well. It's you know, all we're going to be able to ever ever be able to do is tell stories about it and and guess what might be going on up there, and and that's um, Tom talks about how the you know things like UFOs and and uh, uh, crop circles and alien abductions and Bigfoot currently fall under um, paranormal. A paranormal, you know, doesn't uh, necessarily mean uh, woo woo, and that's I think. I think that uh, that's become like the, in Bigfooting the the two terms have become interchangeable, mm. and I don't think that that's that we're using it accurately when we're we're saying some of the um, things that uh, um, attributes that people or experiences that people report um, do fall out of would fall into paranormal because we could there'd be no way to measure things like um mind speak or cloaking or or things on that far you know end of uh fringy things that people report happening on occasion yeah um then then things like you know um I don't like the term zapping because that it you know it it sounds it sounds more woo woo but there's if it's you know if it's infrasound, which taught to measure infrasound, um, which I believe that uh, the Falcon Project is going to have the ability to do that. So that's one of the things that uh, should be interesting that comes out of out of their project. Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's that's a big issue in bigfooting is that people are doing it. You know, for the for the vast majority of bigfooters. Bigfoot researchers, um, if they're even in attempting to to measure things scientifically or do science-based research, um, they're they're doing it on their own dime. So they don't have the ability to you know get expensive equipment or. So that's one of the things that uh, it's exciting for me about the project, like the Falcon Project, that uh, is is uh, going out with the technology for a long term um, for a long you know long time in the field so yeah and, well and our go ahead oh I was gonna say you know well you like you said before para uh you know lat is latin it basically basically paranormal or para it means outside or beyond what is considered normal paranormal um basically describes any phenomenon that in one or more respects exceeds the limits of what is deemed physically possible according, you know, to scientific assumption. Um, and so, 
it 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 does get wrapped up a lot, I believe, uh, and wrongly so, with Bigfoot. Uh, you know, Bruce Kelly and Chat, you know, asked, uh, are are paranormal and supernatural used in the same context? I think very often so, and they are completely separate, in my opinion. Uh, do you agree, Gunner? Yeah, I think that supernatural. Yeah, supernatural, like ghosty stuff, or I mean, I, um, I don't think that they're, they're not synonymous. Synonymous. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the uh, the literal meaning of of paranormal is that you know it's outside of it can't be measured by science or science can't prove it, and that that's always you have to to frame that and it can't those things can't be science can't currently prove because you don't know what what in the future uh is is uh going to what technology or you know is going to allow us to to measure or or uh or see i mean different spectrums and uh who knows what what uh will will come in the future so mm-hmm. but uh you know the 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 subject of Bigfoot and other cryptids is usually looked at as a, a pseudoscience uh, by most, uh, right? For for you know a variety of reasons, you know um, many don't adhere to the um, valid scientific method. Um, a lot of the stuff can't be you know reliably tested, and um, and it you know to be honest, Bigfoot lacks that scientific you know status, so it's more of a pseudoscience to most. Uh, I, not that I totally agree with that, but it is what it is, and and you know we get we toss in these words like paranormal or supernatural or pseudoscience, fringe, you know, and uh, it, they all get kind of get lumped up, uh, lumped up woo together. Woo. Oh, woo woo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you're speaking about uh, zapped. Well, I've heard it been, you know, being zapped is also. Um, I've heard about it being called sizzled. Uh, right. all these uh, unscientific terms or, or wrongly used terms or words, and it, it, it ends up just, you know, people latch on to them, and, and before you know it, it's just like a, a household word, you know. Right. <laughs> I, right. I think it's, it's pretty funny because a lot of people don't look at the word actually means, you know, a paranormal or, you know, supernatural, right. pseudoscience. They don't take the time to really look at the word. They just take it at face value or, or assume they know what it means, when in fact, chances are they really don't. Right. The um, our group goes out. I mean, we're a lot of uh, what we've experienced in our research area has been uh, audio in nature. I mean, we've heard a lot of weird stuff up there. Um, we've had some other, you know. Um, there's been a, a few visual uh, experiences up there where someone's caught a glimpse of something, some uh, Larry had seen something uh, with uh, eyes looking at him from uh, in the dark. Um, and one other time, they uh, Larry and Mark were up there and, and shined the light and something was peeking behind a tree and then, disappear back behind the tree, but it's all been very fleeting in what what uh, those kind of experiences. And we're we've been talking recently, and you were you were talking about uh, doing the triangulation for audio. 
Um, and what what is that that, that uh, we're doing up there for for our audience? That uh, what that is uh, actually something scientific in nature? Yeah, we're going around our our area, and it's a pretty large area. We place um, auto recorders on these areas to try and you know because we we get. Um, some good recordings out there, some good vocals uh, you know, and, and and unexplained vocals um, that we, uh, you know, that possibly could be Sasquatch-related. Possibly. We don't know. Um, I didn't see a Sasquatch scream, yell the whole night. I didn't see it knock a tree. Um, but we, we are trying to triangulate possibly where, where and pinpoint where these sounds are coming from because they do set, tend to uh, for the majority of them, come from the east, uh, you know, and some of the more predominant ones come from the east. So, triangulation, you know, you try to really nail that. Well, okay, the east, but whereabouts in the east, and in, in what area? Ridge, valley, um, washout, stream, river, and it's a it's a very tedious process, and it takes a lot of time to do that. But it's uh, I think it's very valuable. And but we do got other. Recordings from you know the west and the north. I mean, but predominantly the east. So kind of gives us a, a starting point uh, to to better, better evaluate that and, and try and pinpoint possibly um, you know where these sounds are coming from, these recordings, these vocals, and these these um, knocks and and whatnot. So well, it's, it's part, valuable part of that, information. And part of the idea of that is to to be able to. Um, identify in the future where, if we hear something in the area, where it's coming from. Is that correct? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's it's about predictability. It's about you know patterns. You know, and just the little things like that. You know, it's uh, unfortunately for us, we have a crap load of recorders. Um, <laughs> Larry's got quite a few, so it's uh we're lucky that way, and they're they're you know they're high end recorders, um, and it's 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 an experiment. It's basically just an experiment to try to get patterns, predictability, um, and whatnot. So it's just one of the many things we're doing out there that I don't consider uh, paranormal or supernatural. Just it's it it is we're trying to adhere to some type of scientific method, bring some science into this. You know, and um, you know, and when we get these recordings, you know, of course, we're, we're looking at these recordings. We're throwing them up on the computer. Uh, um, you know, we were, you know, before the show, we we're talking about bioacoustics. You know, primatologists. Mm -hmm. It's you know, biology and sound. We we were trying to do the same exact thing uh, with 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 our uh, with what we have and our knowledge and and adhere to some sort of scientific method. But primatologists use bi bioacoustic, you know, all the time, and they do much. Much of the same stuff, and um, I'm not screaming, screaming Sasquatch is a primate. I don't know what it is, but but looking at uh, other uh, uh, you know scientists out there doing this this sort of thing, it's uh, I think it's a valuable tool. And uh, there's other groups I, I believe doing this sort of thing, but in this area, I believe it's a very active area, and it's a great place to uh, try and, and try and try and get this done. Well, uh, and because a lot of what we've it, it, uh, the evidence that we've experienced up there that we can't explain by other known animals, um, bioacoustics is a great uh, 
science to apply to what we're what we're looking at. I know that that uh, you know we study the uh, recordings and stuff on through uh, where we're not just listening to it, but but looking at it through a uh, in a, in a visual way. So yeah, yeah, thank you, spectrograph. But uh, but we're looking at it visually to to look for anomalies, so you can actually have a baseline of of what um, known animal sounds are, and then look outside of that for things that don't fit in what you already know. Oh yeah, so the bio. And it, which one of the things? What's really cool is ahead. is you know we do we you know we record all sorts of animals from barned owls to to you know. Uh, well, foxes and all sorts of stuff, and that stuff, you know, is important information to have. You know, I mean, that those recordings, you know, coyotes and the whole nine. That's important information to have because you can um, put those in your your database uh, database and, and and look at them and then compare, uh, you know, your known vocals in that area to these other anomalies, these other recordings that you find strange and, and not of anything that you've ever heard or known, you know. And uh, so there's a huge comparison there. And so every little bit of uh, information, especially with the audio, is not just fascinating, but it's very important, in my opinion. Well, and you have to have the the, the baseline, the, the database of, of known animals to help you eliminate, you know, and, and narrow down what, what you're when you're listening to things because um, if you just were out there listening to sounds, it could be anything if you don't have any record, you know. Yeah. And then you can tell, and then you know what what uh, with the looking at it visually, you can actually tell uh, the difference between what a say a fox is capable because they can only create audio in a certain range. So you can look outside of that range and mm-hmm. and know that and eliminate that it's a fox or right. or a deer or a bear. I mean, because you have those. Um, and if you're just sitting there listening to it, not as easy to do. So um, so though there are people you know that are have a lot of outdoor experience that can listen to sounds and and. Uh, readily identify them as this or that or or um, say that it isn't this that you know it may sound similar to to uh, uh deer or elk but deer or elk don't don't uh vocalize that way or don't create exactly if you're looking at a, a spectrograph you know you can look at the, the the ranges you know the hertz ranges i mean and and say you see where uh what's beyond you know human uh, capability, what's beyond, say, a fox, a coyote, an owl, a bird, you know, uh, elk, and uh, that stuff's invaluable, and it's all stuff logged in um, and taken note of. It's it's pretty pretty interesting stuff. I I'm always compelled when I see uh, looking at a spectrograph, you know, um, and you know, Larry Turner um, is one of our teammates, really working on that. David Ellis with the um, an Olympic project. Uh, fantastic I uh, learned so much from him and he continues to blow my mind with his database and knowledge on the subject and um, you know always we are all just students of this subject but uh, building you know learning and learning constantly 
and trying to experiment with stuff like this and, and trying to actually bring some science into it and not just jump to conclusions. Uh, you know, and, and that goes, you know, with wood knocks and stuff like that. <clears throat> I always, you know, I guess getting back to uh, the the uh, paranormal aspect of it, you know, uh, or what, you know, outside of the realm of what science can test, I just, for me personally, you know, and I I have a lot of respect for um, a lot of people that are into the, the um, I guess, what people call the woo, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do disagree with a lot of them because I don't see... I don't see the need for something to throw rocks at a camp or or beat on a tree or um show itself if it can, if it's if it's outside if it's not flesh and blood and and outside of this realm of understanding you know I mean I just I don't understand that I've never experienced personally anything like that uh in the field so I guess you know maybe I will one day I don't think so but you know, you know, you know, Gunner. I'm out in the field all the time, and and I just to this day, have, you know, I've, I've experienced fear, I've experienced adrenaline, you know, a hike and you know, a pitch in my uh, adrenaline. Uh, I've you know had that feeling of I need to get out of this area, but I don't consider that uh, paranormal uh, by no means, and I just haven't come across anything like that yet. And I, I look at nature to explain away most of what I've encountered. And that's what I look to to try and explain the Sasquatch phenomena as well. Well, we're, we're now trying to, um, we're setting up different uh, experiments to, uh, to test different uh, theories and, and, and see, you know, gauge response um, and, uh, important to to just be testing one uh, idea at a time rather than changing a whole because um, you think about it you're talking about an animal that if if what we've been dealing with there up at uh, our areas is really um, sasquatches they seem pretty comfortable to come in and come around us um, on a fairly regular basis and to if we if we were to you know make some kind of major change in our how we we operated um, it just like with any other animal that that uh i i have i would theorize that they would would uh take a step back that we'd maybe go a little bit backwards and like because they say what the heck you know they're used to us acting a certain way and now we're we're, I don't know, walking around with Uzis or whatever. I think that they would find that uh, maybe a a little off if we were shooting a lot, yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, they do seem to uh, come, like you said, uh, at least in my opinion, I believe that there are Sasquatch in this area, uh, and they they do possibly, you know, I, I don't think they're around this area all the time. It's a huge area. Why would they just be hanging around? us all the time, but I think they're inquisitive, and they do come in. Uh, some of our recordings and some of the stuff that we experience tells me there's something to it for sure. Uh, and, you know, looking at historically at some of the sightings in this area and, and uh, the other experiences, um, it's rather, you know, compelling to myself. 
but uh, I don't. They always seem to just stay far enough away because um, we don't always have a you know we don't always have a therm in this area uh, by no means. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, shortly down the road here we will, but uh, you know, so but they they seem to just stay far enough back. You know, we've had you know all sorts of stuff happen, but they stay far enough back. Well, I, you know, they feel comfortable, I believe, you know, if it is indeed a Sasquatch. But it's, uh, you know, we've done, you know, it's all, it's like you said, you know, we talked about before, it's all experiments. It's experiment after experiment trying to figure out, you know, why they do come uh, possibly uh, check us out and what are we doing at the time. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, it does, I think, pay off to do something just extraordinarily different from, you know, uh, what you're, doing from time to time out there you know so you know you most of the time we're pretty predictable you know i don't mm-hmm. think most of the time when we're out there we're fairly predictable in our research techniques and stuff but every once in a while i you know we do um we'll camp in a completely different area or uh we'll do something completely different and sometimes we get results and sometimes we don't but even yeah even a lack of of activity is is uh is something to it's valuable to know if something, if all of a sudden you ha- you do change something and all you don't have activity, um, mm-hmm. and uh, but we've talked about doing some upcoming uh, experiments. One one uh, involving uh, skunk extract, and that came out of uh, actually talking to a, a buddy of mine that that uh, that was saying that um, skunk scent is is when a skunk sprays in the woods that basically the way he referred to it was it's like um forest tv that the the other animals that are compelled to come see what uh what uh why what happened in the area that that a skunk sprayed because when a skunk sprays there's a reason behind it they're not just randomly going through the woods pepe le pew uh style it's a crime scene it's a crime scene, right? Basically, it's what. So, um, but what the other part of that that was that was fascinating to me, or had I thought it had potential for uh, um, being a good experiment, was that the over that uh, we were talking, and he was saying that um, skunk scent will drown out human scent. Uh, Within a you know a, a fairly decent range, so I was thinking that uh, we'd be dealing. So if we utilize skunk scent in an area, um, not only would it po- uh, com- compel uh, Sasquatch natural curiosity, so we'd be pulling them in with with uh, curiosity, but it would also um, lower one of their their uh, defenses. Because they, yeah. you know, they have. Uh, uh, if they are able to smell us, and I, I don't. I'm not one who thinks that they psychically know that cameras are in an area. You know, I think there's. I think there's a logical, physical reason. You know, human smell. I always use the example: if I came into your living room and put up a camera on the wall, you'd know it was there. Now, if mm-hmm. I came in and put one up that day and and then um, set a fire. And you you had didn't have an opportunity to like you know analyze your area. There'd be a more there's a more compelling reason. I'd, I'd probably get a uh, uh, 
trail cam picture of you screaming running past the camera, <laughs> leaving the scene. Of, but you know, uh, already have. I, I think there's. I think there's places that there's a. You know, it isn't that there aren't some suspected uh, Bigfoot pictures on trail cams. Um, one of the most compelling to me is the the one that's on Cliff's uh, Berkman's uh, uh, DVD, and and the one that the apple orchard or the apple tree one that was featured on yeah. Finding Bigfoot. And in both those cases, the the one on Cliff's DVD looks like it's running. So uh, you don't you know oh. you don't you don't smell the same. You don't process sense the same when you're running through an area as you do like lollygagging through an area. So I think they may not, uh, um, <laughs> ramble. Well, funny. He's in a crime scene. Be sure and leave an outline of the, a chalk outline of the skunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but you know, that, that, that particular, um, you know, putting trail cams out period. is like a needle in a haystack. You know, we're not, I don't, I think any serious researcher knows or would assume that there's not a lot of Sasquatch out there. I mean, it's just not, especially in these areas, there's just not, it's like a needle in a haystack. But, you know, that, that um, particular, uh, you know, Clip Rackman um, trail cam picture you were talking about on his video, mm-hmm. I got to see that back in 2000, I believe it was 2000, late 2012 or early 2013, I forget offhand. When when he first obtained it from um, somebody involved with the uh, um, law enforcement, and in this that particular trail cam picture was taken off the Clackamas River, um, where some officers had placed it, um, you know, trying to uh, get game on there, and it was down a locked road. No one else had access to this, and uh, they had set a trail cam up there, and they'd given it to Cliff because it was so odd. You know, they had set it up there, and and so a few feet behind. There was a there was a, a game trail back on that um, where where the it, you know behind the tree where this game cam was facing, and you had this this figure and it looked like it was just hauling by. It was kind of blurry. I mean, obviously it's Bigfoot, it's going to be blurry, right? But it was blurry. But <laughs> you could you could see like the hair almost you know just like it was running by. And what's funny, what at the time that I saw that, it wasn't long after my sighting, uh, and relatively in the scheme of things, uh, not too far away. But the, the, the description of, of Sasquatch in that area, it fit this thing very, uh, I, I found I found it very compelling. And I, to me, that's a very compelling photo, uh, even though it's not real definitive by no means. Just very, it's a very interesting photo that even, you know, the, the, these uh, law enforcement um, people found interesting to give to Cliff. And uh, he did all, he went back to and found, you know, did all the measurements and stuff. And got to say, man, it's, <laughs> you know, very interesting. But, uh, you know, you know, he said trail cameras are, um, you know, you, you place them out there and, and you, you try to find the right spots, but it's really a needle in a haystack. And there's a few, uh, I've seen some interesting pictures over the years from these things. Uh, I've personally never gotten anything on the trail cameras other than wildlife, known wildlife. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten anything, but it really is a needle in a haystack. People always put too much, uh, all they can see and this and that. Well, I don't think Sasquatch is perfect. You know, if they're, say, hunting a deer or something, deer runs by, you know, they could just run right by it and maybe get a decent picture. It's it's worth the effort, I believe. It really right. is. 
Now, is it going to prove Bigfoot? No. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to prove it. But uh, for your own personal research and stuff, it's just one of those things you could, you know, if you do get a really compelling picture, and I've seen a few really good ones that could add to your whole, uh, your whole, you know, evidence. Database. You know, in, in, yeah, it's a database. Database, thank you. Yeah, database. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were yeah, out late, I, late I, last it, night. I, <laughs> I did want to talk about about the, the skunk scent, though. You know, when you had t- we were speaking of that, I thought, man, that's why didn't I think of that? That's such a great idea. It's just one of those things. Maybe others have tried it. I had no idea. But you know, there are no, reports not- of. Um, there was a years back. There was a report of a a I believe a Sasquatch reaching town down a pipe after a skunk or something like that. But anyways, <laughs> there are reports of uh, you know. Sasquatch and skunks, so, um, you know, seen around and blah, blah, blah. But I always thought that from just the, the, the crime scene aspect, you know, it sprays, all that. And, and then the we, we don't know how how keen a, a sense of smell a Sasquatch has. We have no idea. Uh, but, you know, you can assume possibly that they have a good sense of smell. Um, and, and why not use that scent? Uh you know, I'll make sure, Gunner, that you're the one to be out there um, deploying that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If someone I think, said something I, about I think rock, tomato juice. Rock, paper, scissors is going to be uh, employed <laughs> in making that decision. But um, it doesn't take a lot, I guess, to do the job, do the trick. So, And the other thing is, so, so if we're working, you know, um, I would, it was after the incident, and I actually didn't, wasn't up there at the time, but um, you were, and and uh, Larry was out in the area east of where we we camped out at, and had you know had a vocalization um, within pretty close proximity. Uh, didn't see anything that made it, but the um, two of the people that were back in camp, probably I don't know, 300 yards away, probably you know three 300 400 yards away from where Larry was, heard it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Tanya's dog reacted to it. So everybody that I've talked to and, and uh, you know ran that by them, they said, well, that indicates you know the uh, Logan's response was based on a predator being in the area. Uh-huh. That that's what. So well, something made him good. act. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, very different than his usual demeanor. Something, right? I you mean, know, and yeah, I mean, bring the dogs into the factor that you know we don't have dogs out there all the time. Occasionally, we do, and usually it's one or two. And when we do, mm-hmm. um, at times, you know, we've had some interesting results. You know, Larry and I had the whistle uh, or whistles, two of them, uh, close to camp, mm-hmm. and that dog reacted. Uh, his dog Cody acted so abnormal, so strangely, um, and the whistles sound very coarse and, and almost human-like. It, you know, eleven thirty, I believe, it was eleven thirty-eight. Exactly, at night, uh, two of them, uh, what, a minute apart, and his dog ran towards mm-hmm. both of them, pitch black at night, we couldn't see anything, even, we did have a flare at that time, not a great flare, but a flare, and, and as far as distance-wise, didn't see anything, but uh, in just his, the reaction of the dog was just uncanny, it was weird, <laughs> so, yeah, Logan, uh, Logan acted weird that day with that bark, you know, I didn't hear the bark, so I was, you know, cranking around out in the bush, but uh, the dog sure reacted really weird. He heard something. But that got me to thinking that, I mean, because that was actually was still daylight at the time. 
so it was like uh, I I can't um, see su- supposing that it it might have been a Bigfoot that made that noise um, that it had I suspect it w- that it was already there because there's some roads around there and I can't imagine in broad daylight um, one walking across the road to that area so I'm like yeah. I'm wondering what uh, what could you know what could we start to do to um, entice them or create some kind of of uh, encounter and and the skunkson idea to me uh, has some merit in, in uh, because it, to me if you if you can drown out the human scent of a trail cam um, and in it seems like in that uh, scenario it it would uh, Actually, the closer you have the camera to the the skunk scent, the more it's going to drown out the smell, any human smell on the camera. So mm-hmm. you might just catch something uh, uh, unaware because it, it didn't smell the camera. I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, I think that expen- um, explains why it, uh, anim- you see certain animals sniffing cameras because they smell human smell, and I, I think that um, if um, Bigfoot is is real and uh, seems to uh, not get caught on trail cams very often, uh, I think smell has probably contributed to that. So That's a, that's a logical, you know, uh, assumption. You know, it's, it could be so, smell, it could be a lot of different things. <clears throat> Don't know. Uh, I also think you know, a lot of times it's just a needle in a haystack. Yeah. It's that, it's that, you know, it's not easy. You, you know, well, there's hundreds and thousands of trail cameras out there. Yeah, but I don't think there's <laughs> hundreds of thousands of Sasquatch out there. You know, I just don't. Right. Because uh, it's my personal opinion. So it's it's a needle in a haystack. I mean, I put I put trail cameras out in, along game trails where I know game come down. I, I, deer, elk, the, the whole nine. And not got a picture on one of them after months and months being out there, you know, nothing. So, but then at times I've been out there and I put a trail cam in the same spot and you get, you know, bird of elk coming through or you get, uh, you know, cougar or deer, you know. And so it's just it's just the right place at the right time. It's just like an encounter, you know. People, well, there's thousands of people out there, yeah, but it's just it's just that rare. You get a sighting, you know. Right. They, when they're inquisitive, they're inquisitive. Yeah, and they may be inquisitive, but they um, they seem to have an aware, awareness of how of not being seen for the for the most part, and and they do slip up. I mean, and then and do get seen. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they're perfect. <laughs> I just don't. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, no. No animal. No human is perfect. Everything slips up. And, yeah. Uh, so it's but, just. But uh, it's easier, you know. It, if uh, I just like the idea, uh, it would be interesting seeing how that that works because, um, like I said, you know, in in some way we're also baiting, possibly baiting them in, because we're creating the crime, the quote unquote crime scene. So uh, <laughs> maybe you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get the. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what shows up when we do, when we do this experiment, as much as well, it, you know. If <clears throat> and 
the other idea is we, we have an area that we think we've had some weird stuff happen in. I mean, the, the area that I, I like to deploy the the camera and do this experiment is an area where where is the same area where uh, Larry was quote-unquote barked at, um, and uh, it's the same area where Larry and I had the, the thumping uh, incident, you know, and so... And we've had other stuff. It's the same area where when uh, uh, you were in your truck and I was in my Jeep, it, it's that year where, where you heard, you know, sounds coming from in the middle of the night. Um, and, and it's the area that we've uh, had other, you know, other weird stuff happen. So uh, I think that we're upping our our probability because that's, that's all we've got is, like, mm-hmm. trying to guess and and narrow like you said make the haystack a little bit smaller so when you um gunner when you say weird do you mean paranormal <laughs> no i don't mean i don't mean paranormal i mean uh can't i can't explain it by any known animal um the thumping thing with that larry and i experienced out there i can't you know um i'm and larry larry's much more the experienced hunter and first of all he's a lot older than i am Sorry, Larry. I know you're listening, but but, uh, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of you know he has a lot of outdoor experience, and I've never seen him be nervous up there. And uh, the night that he and I are up there, and we start hearing this thumping, uh, and you know I I I was I there was some trepidation, but it wasn't like I was really fearful. It was more like my period my uh, curiosity was peak. You know, it's like. Uh, what the hell was making that that noise? And then as we're moving it. down the trail line, and it's moving, yeah, and it actually seems to be trailing us. It's like, but we came, you know, we were off the trail, and when we came to the trail, I said, well, let's turn our lights off and see what what happens. And then we hear it again, and uh, and it's closer. And so we turn our lights on, and like Larry's, we need to, we need to go. It's like. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so it was weird because it it's like what you know what makes a thumping sound uh, and in the dark and then makes a thumping sound and follows you and follows and that you. yeah yeah that that was that was the odd you know and a little little uh, disconcerting <laughs> to say the least. Oh yeah, and it was like but but I, there was also it was weird because I had a lot of excitement about it because it was like. This is pretty cool that something's uh um, it was just an interesting experience. So like this is uh something that I've not experienced before, so um yeah. I'll, I'll come back again. So. <laughs> yeah, well it's beyond um our explanation, but not necessarily beyond science uh right. explanation. So I don't count that as uh paranormal, you know, and, and neither do you, but I'm just saying throwing that out no. there. But it's uh I listened to those sounds and I had no explanation. I was just like, "Wow, what the heck? That is just that is weird." And if, I wish I had been there to experience it. Fortunately, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, and and, <laughs> and Larry has shared that with other um researchers, especially those uh involved with uh bioacoustics and and an audio and they really had no explanation, you know. They threw their two cents in there. You know, was it mm-hmm. this, was it that? Well, one we don't know, but two we can rule out certain things. And uh, yeah, very, uh, very odd. I mean, just crazy. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it was, and it was, yeah. Uh, and Larry's reminding me that it, I mean, he 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 says like loud boombox bass sound, and that's yeah, it had a lot of bass in it, and and then yeah, later when when uh, we got uh, out of the area, we went to to uh, when we were talking about it, as we were actually as we were going up the trail. I heard a whistle from one location, and then Larry heard a whistle from another location as we're going up the trail. And coming back, we, I could hear the thumping basically above us on the trail. And then Larry said, said we're being flanked at the time. I didn't really uh, put two and two together that he was talking about. He was hearing the thumping from a second location. So um, it, it was weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, well. and you know, there um you know, Larry and I, out were out there on Friday and we heard grout, you know, grouse out there, you know, doing their their uh, drumming and beating and whatnot for mm-hmm. the first time in, you know, it, it actually it's pretty early uh for this time of year for the grouse out in this area. I think it's got a lot to do with the unseasonally warm weather we're having. But uh, you know, you know, definitely not a grouse or anything like that, dude. From those sounds, I mean, it they were just uncanny. Just uh one of those things, you know, I wish I'd been there to hear that. You know, I've been out there for a lot of the uh, the strange stuff, the unexplained stuff, and fortunately that's one of the times I was not uh, present. But uh, at least you guys got it recorded, uh, and that was, you know, kudos to you, yeah. kudos to you guys. Well, that we actually got it recorded because we didn't have um, audio deployed when we went up the trail Um that's why we were going up there too, was to put a recorder out in the woods, and uh, so we didn't catch a lot of what what happened. But uh, we actually stopped and and deployed one back towards where where we normally camp, and that's when we actually heard the the same sound like across the creek from us. And I was like, hmm, that's really that is that's that's really odd. <laughs> But and it, I mean I you know uh, yeah so but very very weird bass thumping sound but again as yeah. it it doesn't prove uh, is a bigfoot we don't know we don't um, no idea, we don't have right. a you know don't have a di- uh, a way to uh, measure that but it, it's interesting enough and we've had enough things in that area. And there's a history of of sightings, and uh, um, that that we are compelled to go back, and and now we're going to start doing some stuff to try to to uh, that we can test different different uh, um, experiments and see what happens, and and uh, apply science to it. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Is like do an experiment, measure the results, you know. Do it for a while, see if you get any kind of results. Tweak, try try something else. Tweak one of the you know, um, yeah, one of the variables. Um, I, I think if we do that, eventually we're going to uh, get. I think we I think we have the ability to to uh, control the encounters to some. And and part of part of thinking that thinking was having the conversation with Rhett and Mollis. It's like mm-hmm. you know, there's certain there's certain things that why uh, animals do something, you know, that they only do something for certain reasons, 
for attention, um, and <clears throat> excuse me, that there's really only four reasons, and I wish I'd been a better student and taken better notes, but but curiosity is one of those things. So, um, oh, how can we how can we um, do some things that would uh, work on those those? Uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say yeah. Tap into that. How do how do right, we right. get to a point where we can predict? You know, be you know, predict you know uh, where they're at, but also how to draw them in. You know, it's a uh, you know most of the time I I can't explain why possibly Sasquatch could be around us. You know, lots of ideas. You know, and and we're doing tons of different experiments. You know, we, we've we've just mentioned a few. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Between the the Tillamook group and working with the, the Limit Project, man, I work with some really science-based, science-minded individuals that are open to experiments and working with others. And uh, for me, that's what it's all about. But uh, you're right, Gunnar. I, I want to get to that point, you know, because um, I, I really do believe that science has not, you know, people assume that science has always been at the forefront of trying to, because of some of the big names and stuff that always been at the forefront of um, Bigfoot research or Bigfoot enthusiasts and all that. But I, I don't believe it has. I don't think it's been the level of, of science included or the scientific method included in this, this sort of research. I don't think it's been there. I don't think it's been done over an extensive amount of time um, in certain areas. Um, and I think we we have a great chance of uh, really breaking ground. I, I've seen... There's results and some of the stuff we've obtained and gotten. I, I'm 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 just always stoked. I'm super excited. You know, uh, I don't care if we're out there in the rain or a dry day or whatnot. It's just you always got. The more times you put yourself out in the field, there's always that possibility, and that's what we do. You know, Limb Project does, Tumble Group, and lots of other groups. But <clears throat> I, I well, want to get to that to, point yeah. where we can we can really just start. Um, figuring some stuff out. And I think we're making progress. It's slow and tedious, and that's science. I mean, I'll, I'll preach that all day and night. Science is a tedious, boring process. But for me, it's not boring. It's it's exciting. It's fun. I wish uh, we could get paid to do this. <laughs> I really do. Cause it, we, like for some of us, we live and breathe this. It's like a daily thing for me, you know. And I, I'm fortunate to have uh, backing from my family and my friends but not the the monetary gain, you know, monetary uh, funding, uh, and I'm not trying to say I'm by no means trying to get rich off this. I just I enjoy doing it, and I think there's it's it's a positive endeavor. So, but we're, we're making headway. I really do feel that way. So send your checks to www. Blog Talk Radio slash Monster. Just kidding, but uh, the. That is, I mean, that is a limiting factor. Finance is a limiting factor to Bigfoot research. But uh, you're right. I've, I've actually reached out to uh, there's a, a doctor uh, at one of the who's a professor at one of the universities up here in Oregon, and and this week I sent an email to her. Uh, I haven't got a response yet. I think my next um, um, attempt will be to. Uh, give her a phone call, but uh, she teaches primatology, primate behavior, all kinds of, uh, uh, she has a PhD in biology, 
Um, oh yeah, and and she's and I, I know that you've. It's funny because I had was wanting to get a primatologist to talk to come on Monster X. But I think it's important. I, I I invite. I would like to invite more scientists to be involved and to hold on. I think Bigfoot researchers need their feet held to the fire in terms of like if you're going to do this, um, you know, you, this is what you need to do to uh-huh. imply the scientific method and. And this is what you need um, to uh, process the evidence. And uh, and and uh, one of her areas of expertise, which I found, which struck me, chord with me, is that she uh, is uh, an expert in bioacoustics. So, and basically, yeah. bioacoustics is study of of the combination of biology and acoustics and how basically animals make different sounds. Because I think a lot of things that, uh, just like any other area of Bigfooting, um, we attribute different sounds to a a particular behavior when we've not necessarily seen um, that that behavior, like wood knock, like tree knocks, we we call them tree knocks, but we don't know that that's what it is. It could be that they're doing right. something with their body. I mean, that you know, I when my uh, it's interesting to me because the idea of walking around when I walk around the the woods and um, pick up most of the stuff that I pick up off the ground, if I hit it against a tree, it's going to explode, and uh, I can't imagine. Uh, what and that that that's going to be a different sound than some of the things that I've heard that sound like, you know, would fall under what people call tree knocks. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's my my personal is like I, uh, if a bigfoot is walking around in the woods and picks up a, a branch, can you imagine what happens to that branch when they hit it against a tree? I mean, they'd have to have a hell of a lot stronger branch uh, to not uh, destroy destroy it the first time they smacked it up against a tree. Well, but, yeah. But what, it could what, be. It could, it could be at times. And I, 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 I've done, um, you know, Shelley Covington um, and I have done experiments on this, especially in some of the areas that I've had uh, what I call power knocks, you know, during my encounter in 2012. We had knocks that shook the ground. Uh, we could film in our tents. Um, and it, you know, I, I still believe to this day something – well, I'm almost positive something was hitting a tree. Uh, with with a stick, I don't know. But in some of these areas, you look at what, you know, for something to carry around the perfect stick or branch or log to hit a tree uh, and to carry it around, I just don't find it <clears throat> very feasible. I, but in some of these areas, you find rocks, and you can find right. solid rock. And so doing these experiments where you hit a, a rock on a... Uh, on a tree, you get the same sound effect, and you can carry that rock in the palm of your hand uh, a lot easier than a limb. And, you know, and the reason I always lean towards that rocks be a huge majority of these, these knock sounds is that we had a rock thrown into camp shortly after these, these uh, power knocks. So I, mm-hmm. I have to assume that. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a baseball size, a little bit larger than a baseball size rock. So I have to assume that a rock can be a, uh, used to hit trees, um, and there are a lot. You can find a rock uh, 
you know, the, a good good rock, a lot easier than you can that perfect limb where, you know, if you smack in a tree, it's going to break. You know, we've done it time and time right. again. But a rock, a solid rock hitting a tree, it makes a, a heck of a sound, and it, it serves a lot of function. You can toss it. I mean, it serves a lot of function. It just seems it makes more sense to me. I'm not saying that Sasquatch can't do, uh, you know, beat its chest or do a, a pop in its mouth that sounds a lot like a um, – uh, a wood knock because there's yeah. well yeah because a lot of times um, you know recorded and reported is that you know you do a tree knock and you get an instant almost instantaneous response or, or within like a certain amount of time that's the proximity's uncanny so you have to think well are they carrying that perfect limb around and hitting a tree as soon as you if it, if it is indeed a sasquatch the timing is just too you know sometimes too quick to uh you know so is it is it a rock is it a tree limb is it um a mechanical you know from their body a pop or you know i don't know but it's uh all fascination you know it's a fascinating discussion overall Mm -hmm. and uh that's those experiments that you do time and time again and uh, you start to build up uh possibly an idea or at least a hypothesis that you can test Mm -hmm. you know like with the rock you know, it's a, it's a hypothesis that you can test, uh, and and we, you know, Helmut Group's been doing this, Lynn Project's been doing this, I've been doing this. Uh, I love hypothesis and testing stuff uh, to see, well, how did the sound originate, and what could have done that? You know, right. Well, and that's the idea of them carrying a rock around makes kind of more sense to me than a, a tree limb. And that kind of ties in with the the uh, incident that we had up there with when Jess and I were up there and and uh, something crashed. Oh yeah. Behind her immediately after she makes this agitated chimp sound, which was pretty trippy. And the next day we found you know like a four or five inch uh, diameter rock, um, about three within three feet of where she was sitting. You know, and it was not a. It's not an area that that has a lot of rocks in it, and then it was sitting on top of, you know, it wasn't uh, buried in the ground. It was just sitting on top of the, the uh, sitting on the top of the, the brush and stuff. And so, and it was, it looked like the road rock, a large piece of the road rock that is from the, the roads that are around that area. So it was, it was interesting. So, ah. Um, and that was recorded. The whole event was recorded, which is so right. I, I found very you know interesting, and uh, mm-hmm. you know because of the the whole the whole scenario, you could hear the uh, the uh, just do that kind of uh, um, you know it was like yeah. yeah yeah yeah, and and not it wasn't directed. It wasn't even she was just telling a story. It wasn't uh, any right. sort of uh, trying to learn a Sasquatch or whatever. It was just telling a story. And you hear that rock come in, and it, you hear it, it just like crash, and then you hear her jump scared and all that, and um, you know, it's like it was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was that, and and the leading up to that, in the context of that, is we had we'd actually heard brush movement and and stuff prior to that, and so it was just weird. I mean, um, I don't even say that. I mean, that's my best theory is it was the rock that made the crashing sound. Um, but I didn't see the rock moving through the air, you know. But um, it uh, that's 
that's what we think it probably was. It was probably the rock, which is one of those incidents where it's like I don't uh, have any other explanation for how you know this size of rock um, went through the air. Right? It's not a raccoon. Yeah. I could you know it's we can we can exclude a lot of uh, uh, animals. We know it it wasn't. So that's a good uh, question. It's all it's all very inconclusive, but it's just. You know, interesting, especially with the area that we work with, some of the recordings we have and some of the sightings. It's just, it's very interesting stuff. And you know, we wouldn't be working in an area that we thought, you know, that there was no chance. Uh, you know, there, there are tons of sightings and stuff in this area, but that particular recording and the whole scenario just was, it was very interesting to me personally. Yeah, because at the time, I I didn't make the connection of what she just, you know, that she just made an, a chimp sound like immediately before the re- this crashing and it was actually when I was listening to the to the recorder that I like oh shit that's <laughs> that's weird <laughs> and he like does that sound and I mean it was like immediately like right. ooh, and then crash and if you were there you would I mean the my first thought when I cuz obviously it draws your attention to that area and I'd like what you know, is something coming out of the woods? Because it was it was loud, and uh, it was pretty. And actually, was pretty impressive on on the recording. It it captured it pretty good, but it, you know, the recording never captures. It's not the same as being there, because uh, I know that uh, my adrenaline shot up pretty good. Yeah, but you no, know, uh, didn't hear anything Bruce, after that. And I was going to mention Bruce ahead, had a Bruce, question yeah. earlier. Bruce had a question earlier in regards to uh, the Falcon project, and um, since we're on the topic, you know, mm-hmm. of, of paranormal, Leva's question was, you know, where are our thoughts on on some of the um, paranormal um, people involved with the par- pardon? Yeah, yeah, participants. Yeah, participants and and whatnot, uh, and I don't. I'll be honest to say, I don't know all of who's involved with the project. I, I know the names of them. I, I do know a few uh, of the participants uh, personally. I mm-hmm. I believe I know of one person that is, and I think he's out of Texas, that is uh, considered to be in that realm of the, the paranormal, at least believes in it. And um, Well, that's Michael Brooks, the attorney guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, what are your but thoughts, I don't there, think Gunner? it's any... Um, well, I don't think that that, first of all, I still don't think they're going to be able to measure it. You know, he may have that, that may be his uh, belief or his uh, perspective on it. And he may, through some personal experience, have had stuff that he can't explain that way. Um, mm-hmm. But how are they going to test that or measure it or, you know, um, my understanding is they have a protocol, you know, the, the, they're working on physical evidence and that evidence is going to be not is going to be vetted by a a panel including uh, Dr. Meldrum and Dr. Bendernagel, I believe, is on that panel as well. So, um, I, yeah, I'm assuming they're going to follow their protocol. That's you know what yeah. if they find. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. If we were searching for Wookies, would it be called the Millennium Falcon Pro- Project? <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah, it's clever. Clever, clever. Yeah. No, I, I you know, I don't think 
those guys that are involved with the or the hey, you know, you just never know exactly what one's thoughts are out there in the uh, in the field. You just never know truly, uh, especially sure. if you have a group of that that size. I don't think it's going to even matter. I don't think it's going to play a part. Yeah, you know, they can be like, well, I heard this, I heard that, and well, they'll either be booted or it will never make public or whatnot, and people they'll be basically, you know, uh, put aside whatnot. I mean. Uh, if it can't be tested, uh, and it just doesn't seem scientifically valid, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Uh, they'll have to replace those people unless there is something to it, you know. Unless there's something to that, and others agree, uh, then possibly. I just don't uh, think it's going to be a huge issue. I think um, they have enough, uh, like you know, your Kurt Brandbergs and whatnot, and that are. Natural-born leaders, in my opinion, they're going to be the ones uh, plowing ahead, and, and uh, they don't jump to conclusions. They're just about the absolute science of it and the foundation. So um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, right. I mean, we just we'll yeah. have to wait and see. You, see. you don't know some of that stuff till, uh, You know, one of the, the controversial, and, and we're talking about Bigfooting, so pretty much everything's controversial, but even among Bigfooters, you know, like I shine. Um, yeah, uh, the idea that that uh, and it's funny because I get into that. Well, what what's eye shine? Well, to me, eye shine is the reflection of light in an eye. But what people talk about is almost like an eye glow, where where you there's well, eye-like orbs, you know, at a distance apart that would would put it in the range of like a a, a large ape. And uh, and but but not and I've never heard it that 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 it um, is like laser beams like they're projecting light outside of the eyes. But the, <laughs> that's but funny. the eyes like that. I mean but I mean it's it's more like like glowing in the absence of light. You know, not that mm-hmm. they're projecting light like a flashlight, but but uh, that um, they're amplifying light. You know, somehow that in a a way that allows you to see the see the eyes and again we're it's all you know what it what are you looking at i don't got i don't know well, you, yeah you know so. that's just you know most of the times when you hear those reports you rarely ever see a picture or have right. any evidence so it's just it's hearsay it's like oh i saw this well you know uh larry and i were out friday night and we saw this really weird reflection. I mean, it was just weird. You know, we're like, what the heck is that? It looked like something glowing. It looked like uh, kind of eyes or something. And, well, we went out of our way to make sure we figured out exactly what it was. Well, it was a, a brand-new sign up in a certain area that was just <laughs> reflecting, right. you know. But it was, yeah. of course, we did have lights on it, so it was re- the light was reflecting off it. But I just think that I've just yet to see any evidence uh, other than, say, um, and. uh uh, you know, fish that can do that uh, in the deep oceans. Uh, I've yet to see any evidence that uh, looking at nature, especially in the areas that we work, that I'm no. It, there's always some sort of light present that reflects off the eyes, you know, and whatnot, the retina. So I mean, it just uh, I don't buy into all that. I just don't see it as a possibility. It doesn't make any sense, you know. It just doesn't no. make any um, sense for that to be well, I don't know. an option. I- not that I know right. everything. I don't. Maybe it is, but I just have not seen well, that evidence yet. I I know that it's already been proven. One of the most <laughs> well, and I, you know, I know Matt Moneymaker a little bit, but 
on, and I, I'm sure it has some editing has something to do with it. But one of my jaw drop moments of watching Finding Bigfoot was was Matt Moneymaker saying that there that it's bioluminescence and that they use it to communicate with each other, like it was a fact. And I like my jaw dropped. I had to pick my jaw. Like, how the hell do you know that? Yeah, <laughs> One, we don't even know that actually is something that actually occurs. To you know. Uh, um, sorry, Matt. I, I think I'm sure that's not. You know, there was some. It was taken out of context or whatever. But but well, it just seemed. You know, it was one of those. Like there 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 was uh, a there there's a, a I think there was a, a fish they found recently that had a fungus that grew below its eyes and that it was bioluminescent. You know, so it would ref, you know, but it wasn't the fish. It was the the the, the fungus, the bacteria or whatever uh, that was. I'm not seeing that. I'm, I keep referring to these ocean-dwelling, uh, you know, fish and whatnot. I'm not seeing that in in nature here. You know, ground sloths have a fungus that grows on them. That no, it doesn't reflect light or anything. It grows on their their hair and whatnot. Uh, but all, it, it just I don't see the purpose of this this bioluminescence. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Bruce Kelly. <laughs> Was cracking me up. He, you know, he said, "How can you project light from your eyes and still be able to see?" Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think if, if there's if there's something to it, it may be uh, because be they have such large hook. Puke, well, because they have such large. I think if there's some, if somebody is seeing, because there's always light present. We just don't because of the way our eyes are. I mean, when we walk around in the dark without a flashlight for a while on a dark night, you can still mm-hmm. see. Um, so it may just be a function of how large their eyes are that, you know, it ca- it, that you're able to see yeah. the reflection of light. I, I, don't, I don't believe for a second that their eyes project light. I think that's a ridiculous concept. Um, but if, if people are actually seeing eye glow as or I shine, I think it's a reflection of just like, you know, when you shine a flashlight in a uh, a dog or cat's eyes, you'll see. I don't do that to my dog to test it, but <laughs> but, but, if you, but by accident, if you happen to be flashing on. But, uh, but I mean, I, I think it's, I think there's a scientific explanation for it. I don't think it's something that uh, doesn't already exist in nature. I just think it's, they have huge yeah. eyes, um, Maybe they're, you know, obviously the their eyesight, their night vision seems to be um, better than our night vision if they're running around in the woods in the dark. It would dark. have to be. Um, yeah, it yeah. would have to so, be. I mean, that's a, a no-brainer. You know, for, right. you know, if you are a subscriber that Sasquatch exists, well, that's a no-brainer almost. I mean, it has to be able to see like that because, uh, and I, I would assume Sasquatch believes that we possibly have that capability. That's why you see all these tree pickers or, or you know, them hiding. Right, they think we can see them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, bioluminescence doesn't play any part in it. It's just they're, they, they, they have the, all the reports report, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them, large eyes. I mean, just large eyes. And that stands to mm-hmm. reason for something that does a lot of activity at night. Um, not all at night, but predominantly perhaps at night. So, I mean, just stands to reason. Right. Look at owls. I mean, you know, they have large eyes. So yeah, exactly. Just stands to reason, and that's just looking at nature to explain uh, this, uh, you know. 
yeah, I don't think that I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a function of uh, I think. But my point was it'll be interesting. That's something actually that could uh, be recorded in in the field, like when the Falcon Project's out. Maybe they do record, you know, get some video of of quote unquote eye shine, and now we have something we can look at. Is you know, um, mm-hmm. and it's. It, it would it would have to be like like you say it, my my belief it would have to be uh, reflection of light it, just because their eyes are so the surface area their eyes are so much larger and um, so so do we have a yeah. uh, caller that that uh, let's see who we got here. Hold on, I'm gonna let. Hey, area code seven one four. This is Gunner. Are you? Did you have a question? Hello. I oh, just listening. <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm not sure which number I'm looking at here, but I'm gonna check a couple people here. Area code five zero three. You're on the air. Are you have a question? Listener. One more. Area code six six two. This is Gunnar. That would Mark be me, Christ. guys. Hey. Hey. And who who is me? Hey Henry. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Identify, What's identify going on, yourself. guys. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what? You know. So who is this? Please identify yourself for our listeners. <laughs> this is Henry May. <laughs> hi, hi, Henry. What do you got? You got a question, comment? What's your? Well, I, I guess um, my comment would be um, as far as y'all were talking about the the woo element and all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, John Green said um, back in um, well, he, he wrote it in his book. He said it on Sasquatch Odyssey. He said he didn't feel particularly. He didn't feel he didn't find it, he didn't find anything particularly attractive by uh, explaining one mystery by bringing in another mystery, as far as the whole woo, <laughs> the woo Element, thing, yeah. you know, the 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 the, 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 the yes, yeah. Uh, well, that's a that's a valid point. No, I mean, very valid. Yeah, I, I totally you agree. Uh, you got to solve one mystery before you can bring in another mystery. I mean, it's just it's. Uh, Plain and simple, you know, uh, two mysteries don't equal any sort of conclusion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and uh, I guess a question would be, um, I know I know that the Falcon, I mean, not, not the Falcon Project, the Olympic Project uh, puts yeah. out game cams and things like that. Um, now, what kind of, what brand of uh, audio recorders do you guys use? Well, uh, you know, to get back to the troll cameras, I mean, we, as far as troll cameras go, we use a whole bunch of troll cam- different types. But reconnaissance is usually um, our go-to camera for the Illumin project. It's expensive, but uh, it takes fantastic photos. They're small, and uh, the go-to camera uh, with with the um, audio equipment. You know, uh, specifically with the Tilma Group, we're we're 
mostly Tascam, Tascam DRO7, um, uh, DRO5. Uh, we have some Sonys out there. The um, I know um, David Ellis is big into the, uh, I believe it's called the uh, edit editorial, uh, something like that. But uh, we do use a variety of, of um, uh, audio equipment uh, as far as recorders. But Tascam is... For me personally, the go-to one to go—I mean, it just—it just got so many facets that uh, we can use, and uh, it's clear, crisp, and uh, very, very uh, sturdy. We we put these things out in the rain. Uh, of course, we take the precautions to to cover them to a certain extent, but they get wet. Uh, they just do uh, moisture and all that happens. But they work fantastic. Uh, I've never had an issue with the Tascam, and it's just my go-to recorder. I know that. The Tilma Group, that's like our go-to recorder. Um, and we use those up to the Loan Project, but we use a lot of things at Loan Project, you know, because you have different individuals uh, bringing in different sorts of uh, recording devices and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's you know, Tascam seems to be the go-to. Yeah, I mean, do you guys use, like, the smaller, like the, 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 the smaller recorders? You know, I've got a little RCA uh, recorder. And um young man named River Gibbs put a, did a video not too yeah. long ago where he said one thing you can do with those, uh, the, like, RCA-type recorders, he's got one like that, is you get one of those little lapel mics, $5, you hook it up to that little recorder, and it can pick up a lot more sound than uh, than just the regular, you know, the regular microphone on that recorder. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. True. Um, Ahead, and and I I mean I use a just I have a little cheapy um, Sony digital that that we usually use in camp um, and it's we've I mean we've had some uh, um, picked up some amazing stuff on it that's that's the one we picked up the the oh jeez uh, <laughs> bouncing off yeah I don't want to talk about it too and, and much because. And, and the yeah something that sounded like ooh, 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 uh, uh, which which we bought crapped but um, and it was soon it was soon after that that uh, we initiated the, the gunner protocol because uh, and that meant basically we needed to download uh, our audio files onto a laptop before <laughs> uh, because in, um, I I ended up. In my fascination of listening to it repeatedly, I ended up splitting the file and deleting the good part and keeping the crap or the empty part, basically. But yeah, oh, was, um, um, I, you know, the the first night, I, and it, it, it obviously it behooves uh, somebody to to practice with the recorder and be familiar with it before you go, you know, go use it in the field. We had we we there was a big learning curve with the Tascams. Because we were getting, you know, setting the the level too low, it wasn't picking stuff up, and yeah. uh, it was only because, you know, we spent a lot of time playing with them, um, and and getting the record the level recording levels right that that uh, they started to work right. Because there was a lot of times we put them out and we didn't get anything because of what, the way that we had them set, and uh, and now I think we've got it pretty dialed in. In fact, the first night that I ever went out to our research area with Larry, we were all in high fascination and, and awe of of his Tascam that he'd just gotten. 
that we didn't send any other recorders up and his didn't pick up um, one of the most incredible audio nights that I've ever been <laughs> involved in. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, but that's, that's, you know... Best to know your I stuff like before... I, I like the fact that you know we are experimenting. You know, we do screw up, but we we once we screw up, we learn from our mistakes and we move on right. and uh, we better our techniques. That's yeah, what science that requires. Is. I mean, it doesn't require you to be perfect. It requires you to better your techniques and, and adhere to the scientific method. And that's what we're doing. And, and and there's other individuals doing that, but with the audio, though, man, we got some. I I, I don't know. I feel we, some credible audio. And uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes uh, the audio gets uh, dumped or <laughs> lost. <laughs> you, you know, if you you rack it up to experience. Yeah, that's what is. You know, we'll we'll get more. <laughs> do, do you guys do you guys ever use like attractants out in the field? Uh, there are some who feel that if you hang like shiny CDs, that that will attract. You know. Watch, um, and on one episode of Monster Quest, they actually sprayed uh, it was a uh, pine scent near near uh, near some CDs they hung up. We we haven't done that, um, and we won't we won't do that till after we've tried the skunk scent. I'm telling you, that's that's the next one we're going to try. We're going to see if uh, we can get them to come in to the create a crime scene where they're. They come in well, and uh, check it out. So, I, I have haven't... personally used scent out in the field, uh, uh, especially around trail cameras. I've used scent. Um, a lot of hunters do this, and it's I'm not hunting Sasquatch, trust me, but as an attractant or a bait per se, not not a gifting area, just bait, just something to attract something to this area. Yeah, I've, I've used scent before in the past, and it's it's worked for uh, elk and deer and whatnot, but so far no Sasquatch. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm enjoying that Sasquatch coffee, Gunner. I'm loving that stuff. I'm glad. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Henry. Thanks for doing the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and um, I'm looking forward to trying Abominable Snowman. From, from, yeah, from the way well, you described, wow. <laughs> yeah, that that's a. It, it'll be up on the website this week. So. Oh great! All right, guys, and thanks for taking my call. All right. Hey, you bet. Thanks yeah. for calling in, yeah. Henry. Huh. Well, that's we're getting close here to the end of our show. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Shane, do you have anything else that they? Uh, want to uh talk about in in uh conclusion yeah i guess you know with i guess in closing you know uh people need to do their research on on the on on what paranormal means and uh and whatnot and and just that i think People can confuse with the word paranormal and, and supernatural and all that. I mean, just do your research on the words. And then, um, yes, a lot of us are doing work on the field, uh, a lot of credible people. And uh, look at, for me, science will explain this, not um, any sort of uh, uh, supernatural stuff. I don't believe Sasquatch is supernatural. That's just my opinion. 
Am I wrong? I don't know. Find out. But uh, in closing, uh, do your homework on 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 everything you see and everything you hear, and look to those that are at least adhering to the scientific method. Um, that's just you know something I think is important. Well, I think that we're, if we're going to get get to uh, a conclusion, basically, uh, that uh, whether or not a Bigfoot is real or not, it's going to come through through process. I mean, it, it comes down to getting a specimen, alive or dead, or or a lot of time spent in a field collecting evidence that uh, can be processed, um, and uh, along the lines of things that the Olympic Project's doing, the Tillamook Forest Project, and and the upcoming um, uh, Falcon Project. So, uh, people that are out there in the field, you know, collect your data, uh, get stuff analyzed as much as you can, and uh, keep working hard. We appreciate all the work that everybody's doing out there. So for Shane Corson, this is Gunnar Monson and Monster X Radio will be back um, next week at uh, 4 o'clock Pacific. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we are out of here.